Well, we have been talking about some most unusual things in the Scripture. And I told you it's um, not necessarily church is normal. It's probably not a, a sermon you're going to hear in most uh, mainline churches. Um, but it is Bible. Amen. There's a lot of things in our Bible that we have either, either overlooked. Uh, maybe some of us have overlooked them because we just didn't want to look there. And some of us maybe because out of just ignorance. Um, everyone knows the difference between ignorance and stupidity, I hope. Yes. So um, we can be ignorant about things. The Bible does tell us that he doesn't want us to be ignorant about these things. He wants us to know. He wants us to understand these things. So we're taking a little bit of break from that. Um, and uh, been this has been on my heart for a while and uh, it felt like it was the right time to share this. But today, we're talking about Hashem. Say it with me, Hashem. Bless you. Uh, ha, in the Hebrew, is the indefinite article. It just means the. And the Shem is the name. So, in the Hebrew, because they honored God's name so greatly, which was Yahweh, is what we understand. And there's actually a couple of variations of that name, Yahweh, Yahweh. So the scribes, when they were writing it, they didn't, if you understood, they would um, put their pen down. They would go take a, a bath, if you will. They would adorn themselves, put on fresh clothing, come back in, grab a new pen, a new ink, and they would write down these four letters which is called the tetragami, and that's how we get Y-H-V-H or Y-H-W-H, depending on how you do that. There were no vowels there because they did not want to write the name of God because it was considered to be so holy. So then they came up with an idea, and they said, what about if we use the word Adonai? So when you see the word Adonai, that also is God's name. But then they said, what if we just called his name Hashem, meaning the name, the name. You may be asking, well, what does this have to do with, what are we talking about, the name? Well, I'm glad you asked, because we think of a name most of the time in the terms of an identifier, Pastor Monty, um, any famous person, Elvis, right? Um, we also use names um, in something that describes a group, i.e. a dog. But there are many types of dogs, right? Um, a, a flower, but there, yet there are many, many, many types of flower. But if we see, hey, I sent my wife some flowers. Instead of saying, I sent her carnations and roses and baby's breath and all the things in there. We just type a name to it and identify and we say, I got, some, got you some flowers. So in our Western understanding, when we hear a name, we don't think like the Hebrews do. And so in this name, the Hebrews understood a name to be different than this Western ideology. The name in Hebrew is Shem. Is, is Shem. That is the actual Hebrew uh, transliteration, if you will. Shem means name. Now, it means a whole bunch more. If we add, remember, understand too, in the Hebrew language, 
words have roots and they can have things added to them. And so it can describe things. It can build us a picture. So we have this word shem. And if we add the mem and the ha to it, we get nashim, nashimha, which is the breath of God. If we go to Genesis 2, 7, we see this. It says, then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground. He breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils, and the man became a living person. The Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground. He breathed the breath of life, the nishama, into this man. In other words, he is naming this man. Now, we can go crazy and go into the word Adam and um, what it means um, that he came from the ground. There again, if we take the Hebrew and we add a couple of consonants to it, we get the ground, actually the red earth is what he came forth from. And that's why we see in the Bible that says you came from the dirt and you're going to go back to the dirt. <laughs> and so we see all these things that the Hebrew tries to weave in there and show us this beautiful picture. But we have a Western idea. And so we forget about the things that are connected in the Hebrew. A lot of us, and don't get me wrong, some of us just name someone something because we like the way it sounded. Sometimes we get named, I wonder about some parents. There are some crazy names out there. There are some crazy ideas. <laughs> And I don't mean that this is going to be on the podcast. And so, Mr. Poole, if you're listening, I love you, but bumper? Okay. Sometimes we just name kids. Sometimes we name them after family members. It's okay. But see, we identify that as an identifier. The Hebrew says it's the breath of who you are. It's the essence. We see the breath as an exchange of air within the lungs. The Hebrew understand it to be something uniquely different. In Job 32, 8, it says this, but there is a spirit within people, the breath of the Almighty within them that makes them intelligent. The word Shem, one of the definitions is intelligence. What's in a name? Do you know the word Kenneth means to know or to be smart. I know some Kenneths that missed their name. <laughs> See, names can, we can take a name as an identifier, i.e. Karen. That means nobody in here. We have a Karen in here. But she doesn't identify with that name. The Hebrew says, wait a minute, what are you talking about? One of the definite, or excuse me, one of the translations of Job 32 says, the wind, the breath, the Shem within a man and the breath of the Almighty teach them. The breath, the name of the Lord teaches them. Hashem. Do you see why the Hebrew understood we really don't want to speak his name? Can I say this? I'm going to go out on a limb here, and I'm going to mess some people's theology up a little bit. We do not know what God's name is. Quiet in here, Bobby. 
What do you mean the Bible says? Yes, I know the Bible says that he calls himself Yahweh. The actual translation is Eche Aster Eche, meaning I am or I will be what I will be. The great I am statement. Every name that God gives himself is descriptive. The reason I say we don't know his name, because in our Western way, if we knew his name, we would attach that to him and he would only be known as that. And God says, no, I am known by many names because I am many things. I am, I am. That's why we call him Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Sidkenu, Jehovah Nisi. That's why he's Elohim, which means the great spirited one. That's why the angels were called Elohims, B'nai uh, Elohim, the sons of the Spirit One. He's called Yeshua. He's called Yehoshua. He's called Jesus, uh, I believe, in the Greek. Jesus is what we call. He's known by many names. As a matter of fact, the Bible tells us that he calls himself the multi-breasted one. That's not a nasty thing. <laughs> What happens when you have a baby, before we had formula and all that stuff, what happened to happen? A child received its nourishment through its mother on the breast. It got what it needed. And God said, I'm the multi-breasted one. How dare you turn that into something vulgar and say, well, see, he's feminine. No, he's not. He is as masculine as you can be. But he says, from me comes everything you'll ever need. That's why you can't confine him to a name. That's why he's called Hashem, the name. His name is above all other names. You won't find another name in heaven or in earth that you must be saved by. Jesus, the anointed one. We cannot easily grasp the concept that breath can teach. Now what we do understand is that thoughts and emotions are functions of the mind. To the Eastern understanding, the breath has the ability to carry thoughts and emotions. To the Hebrew, a name is more than the exchange of air in one's lungs, but is the seat of one's character. Your name means something. A name is a person's breath or his character. That's why when the Bible says that a good name is rather to be had, he's not talking about just a name. He's talking about the character of your name. I'm reminded of a story. I believe it was Alexander the Great. There was a story about him going into the dungeons um, of a prison. And as he's walking through, there was a man in the prison, and he says, hey, you and I, we have the same name. And so he asked him about what he was in for, so to speak, and he told him. And he looked the man square in the face, the prisoner, Alexander the Great did, and he said, you need to change your name or change your conduct. Don't tell people that we got the same name because it's not the same. It's not the same. Our character is different. You may think you have the same name as me, Western ideology, but we don't have the same shim. See, it's not about separating things. The Hebrew didn't separate a person's name and a title. For instance, we've seen King David. 
Well, when we hear David, we think about an identifier. All right? This, is, this was um, who he was, so to speak. And David in the Hebrew means the beloved or one who loves. That's what David means. The beloved or the one who loves. I think it's beloved. Sometimes we may not feel like that, but that's what it means. And then we see king, which means a ruler or one who rules. Now, in the Western way of thinking, we separate the two and we call him King David. That was his position, that's his, or his title, and his name. But the Hebrew put them together and said this. In the Hebraic understanding of King David's name, it means the one who rules is the one who loves. There was no separation. Hebrew names, when they're translated into the English, lose some of their meaning. Because remember, Hebrew words build upon one another. And when we strip them down, and just like with David, he was called the beloved, the one who loves. And we see all of his struggles. No wonder God says, here's a man after my own heart. It wasn't about his struggles. It wasn't about those things. It was about God seeing his name. Seeing his shim. Proverbs 21, 24 says this. A proud and haughty man, scoffer, is his name, his shim. He acts with arrogant pride. It's not about his name. It was about his character. We see that. In Exodus 34 and 14, you must worship no other gods for the Lord whose very name is jealous is a God who is jealous about his relationship with you. Well, right here it says God's name is jealous. No. They're describing to you his Shem. He's jealous for you. He wants no one else to be with you for you to be with no one else but him. And rightfully so, he created you. The Bible tells us that before you were, he knew who you were. What? He uniquely knitted you in your mother's womb. Can I say this? In the Hebrew tradition, men of power could change your name. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Go read that story. King changed their name. Can I tell you this? There is a king who reigns and he will change your name. Amen. Revelation says that he's going to give us a white stone. And on that stone is our new name. Only he understands it. Only those who he gives it to will understand what this name means. Can I say this? I believe when you said yes to Jesus, it says that when we become saved... That the Holy Spirit seals us up. Our spirit changes. Can I say this? When your spirit changes, so does your Shem. It's supposed to. The gospel demands change. Some of you may still be fighting some battles. You may be going through some things. But you're saying, ah, why, why, why? Because you have yet to remember what your Shem is. In Isaiah 9 and 6 says, for unto us a child is born. Right here we're coming into this season, amen? 
and the government will rest upon his shoulder, and his Shem will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His Shem, his name, Hashem, the name, the name that encompasses all of these things. See, when you call upon the name of the Lord, you're not just saying, Lord, you're calling upon wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. If you've got turmoil in your life and you call upon the name of the Lord, you're calling upon the Prince of Peace, the Chief of Shalom. Shalom meaning the kind of peace that arrests chaos. That's who he is. Exodus thirty-three nineteen, The Lord replied, I will make all of my goodness pass before you, and I will call out my name, Yahweh, before you, for I will show mercy to anyone I choose, and I will show compassion to anyone I choose. Now, does this make sense in understanding name as we understand it? That God's going to pass by Moses, and he's going to go, Yahweh, Yahweh. But to the Hebrew listener, they understood what God was saying. I'm going to pass by you, Moses. And as I pass by you, I'm going to call out my shim, my character, my reputation, my authority. And that's what you're going to see. You're going to see my backside. Can I tell you this? In the Hebrew, back means the front. We think that God's showing him his backside. He's showing Moses what's to come. Think on that a minute. So he calls himself by this thing and says, well, let's go to Exodus 34. Exodus 34, 5 through 7 says, Then the Lord came down in a cloud and stood there with him, Moses. He had just got the Ten Commandments. And he called out his own name, Yahweh. The Lord passed in front of Moses calling out, Yahweh the Lord, the God of compassion and mercy. I'm slow to anger and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. I lavish unfailing love to a thousand generations. I forgive iniquity, rebellion, and sin, but I do not excuse the guilty. He goes on to say he lays upon the parents of the children and grandchildren the entire family is affected the sins. We talked about this once before. That doesn't mean that he holds the children responsible for the father's sins. What he's saying is when the father sins, the family will suffer. If you're doing wrong things, we all probably, without exception, all of us in here have had some dealings with someone in our family or someone we know close to us that has dealt with alcoholism or maybe drug addictions or whatever it may be. And what's interesting is these people will say, listen, if I want to do this, what's it in your business? I'm only hurting myself. No, you're not hurting just yourself. You're hurting your family too. You're hurting your children. Maybe even your children's children. It's not their fault. God's not saying I'm holding you responsible. He's saying, listen, when you act dumb, people suffer. We had a um, gentleman that uh, when I went to school, he was an ag teacher at Alma. His name was Mr. Dean. And he just, just passed away last week. But he had a saying that has stuck with a lot of people. When the mind's dumb, the body will suffer. When the mind is dumb, 
the body will suffer. If you do stupid things, expect stupid prizes. <laughs> Paraphrasing, but the Lord's saying, when you do dumb things, you're not only affecting yourself, but you're affecting those people around you. When you don't heed the Lord's advice, when you don't heed the Lord's will, His authority. This makes much better sense. The Hashem that He's showing Moses. This is my character, Moses. That's why you call me Jehovah, and then you add this other part of it. Because I am those things. The new King James says this, Now the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. And the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering, and abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgressions and sins, by no means clearing the guilty. Can I say this? When you're praying... And, excuse me, and we've been taught that we pray in the name of Jesus. We're going to talk about this in just a minute. But as we're praying and you're calling on the name of the Lord, maybe you've got a lost family member. Maybe it's a son or a daughter, whatever it may be. Maybe there's turmoil, whatever it is. And you, you're standing there and you're saying, Lord, I just, I just need this person's eyes to be open." And when we say that, we're saying, Lord, like we see this, we get this image of a person or, or this entity, if you will, standing and he's inclining his ear to listen. But what you're saying, when you're saying, Hashem, the name that's forgiving, that you've given, forgiven the iniquities of thousands of generations, Lord, you're good, you're kind, you're all, you see what I'm saying? Now we're calling on the name of the Lord. I'm calling on your character. That's why you're compassionate, because you love us. The name. It goes on, as I'm saying, the Lord in this proclamation is showing his shem, the seed of his character. Hebrews 12, 2 says this, for he... For he said to God, I will proclaim your name to my brothers and sisters. I will praise you among the assembled people. When we hear this in the Western way, I will proclaim your name to my brothers and sisters. And so we say, hey, Yahweh, Jehovah, Adonai. That's not what it's talking about. I will proclaim the Hashem. I will proclaim his character his goodness. I don't know. I didn't get permission to share this. Well, sources will remain anonymous. But before church, I had a gentleman come to me and talk to me about we were taking up an offering to help Neil go to the mission field. In Hungary, he's there now. And he said, I had a certain amount of my wallet in my hand, and I reached in and just grabbed the other and threw it in there. And since then, God took that and pressed it down, shook it together, and made it running over because of his shim, because of his character, because of his reputation, because of his goodness, because of his authority, because he is the word. 
Psalms 27 says, some boast in chariots and some in, the, in horses, but we will boast in the name of the Lord our God. David puts a rock into a sling and he says, you come to me with a spear and a sword, but I come to you in the Hashim. In the Hashim, his character will drop you to your knees and he will give me the strength. He's going to guide my rock. And he's going to guide my hands and I'm going to take your sword out of your sheath and I will cut your head off and I'll feed your body to the buzzards. David didn't say, Adonai gives me to you. (laughs) Hashem, the name that's above all other names. The one who I can boast confidently in, who has given me the power and the authority to make sure that this rock meets its place. Romans 10, 13, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That doesn't mean if you say, Jesus, you're going to be saved. God, there's a lot of people that hit their finger or fall, hurt themselves that will say God or Jesus, and it's not the right way. They don't get saved. What's this talking about? It's a type of nashima. But in the Greek, it means to be surnamed. What it means is to take on that person's name. What we see in a wedding ceremony, when two people come together and they are individuals, but at the end of that ceremony, they come together, they're connected, and the wife takes on her husband's last name. She becomes a Smith, a Jones, a Dean, whatever. Remember when we talked in the marriage covenant, when the ketubah was signed, it was legal She had inheritance rights even though they had not yet consummated this marriage and made it quote-unquote official. It was still an official marriage. When you call upon the name of the Lord, it is to take on his name. They don't call you Gary Christ. They don't call you Gene Lord But you do take on his name, his Shem, his character, his authority, his power. See, in the marriage covenant, we found out too that when when a man said yes to a woman, and they wrote down the ketubah, when he signed that, he was legally responsible for all of her debt. If she messed up and she had to pay a fine, he had to pay it. That was his responsibility. You have a groom who has paid your debt. You should take on his name, his Shem. How do I pray in his name or ask anything in his name? Matthew, (coughs) excuse me, 28, 20 says, Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. It also talks about in the scripture that when two or more are gathered in his name, he's there in the midst of them. John 14, 14 says this, 13 and 14. You can ask for anything in my name and I will do it so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. 
Yes, ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. We have had people try to explain this verse so many different ways. Let me tell you what it's not saying. There was a woman a long time ago. I say a long time ago. Sometimes three years seems like a long time ago. But she was infatuated with Kenneth Copeland. To the point that she had a small cult gathering and she was teaching them, quote unquote, the word, but she was misusing and misappropriating the word. And she used this verse, if you ask me for anything, I will give it to you. So she began to curse Gloria to die so that she could take Kenneth Copeland as her husband. Some of y'all say, wow. Some of y'all say, wow. <laughs> you can do that? No. No. That's not what this verse means. She went through the whole process. Let me just say this. Things that look spiritual sometimes are not. And what I mean by spiritual, good. Okay. Um, we understand that there's a negative side or a demonic side. And it is spiritual too. It just means of the spirit. Not, not. What I'm saying is that you better be careful in these last days. We've been talking about deception and things like that. She went through a prophetic ceremony where she actually married him in the spirit. That's demonic. It's witchcraft. It needs to be called out. And it needs to be put down. That's not of God. It violates God's will. That a man should leave his mother and wife, cleave to his wife, and they're married. Okay? Period. You do not have the right to pray for someone's destruction. Especially to take something that they already have. It's called covetousness. It's called witchcraft. So when we see these things, sometimes we have to go, wait a minute, does that ask me anything in my name. Oh, wait a minute. We just found out that in my name is the Hashem. It's the character of God. If I ask anything in the character of Jesus, it's going to be done for me. What is his character? His character is good. It's merciful. Can I tell you this? I love to give mercy to people. Sometimes it gets me in trouble, even with my own family. No, why would you? No, 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 no. Listen, because I understand, I believe, and I'm fully committed that the scripture is true on this. If you want mercy, you better give mercy. If you want grace, you better give grace. Don't you dare tell me you're a merciful person and then pray for one of your enemies for something bad to happen to them. That's up to God. And when I say that's up to God, not that God causes bad, I'm just saying, Lord, you said that vengeance is yours. It's not mine. Lord, I'm calling upon the name, the Hashem, my enemies. Those who would want to despitefully use me. Those who would want to say things about me. Father, I pray that their eyes would be open to your name, to your compassion, to your mercy, to your glory. If it doesn't, what's it any business of yours? They have to make choices. But we see things and we hear about things and we say, here's what ought to happen. Don't get me wrong. I'm, there is a justice that the Bible talks about, if you go rob a bank, you, have, you can make that choice. What you cannot choose is what the consequence of that would be. When you do something, quote unquote, illegal, 
and you get caught, so to speak, then you're at the mercy of the court, right? I'm going to give mercy because the Lord knows I need it. I'm going to give grace because the Lord knows I need it. I need, I'm going to try to give peace where I can because the Lord knows I need it. Amen. I understand his name. I understand the Hashem. Do I always live up to it? No. But just like King David, do I run away from him or do I run to him? How do you know if you're in the right relationship with God? When you mess up, you run to him. If you're not in the right relationship, you'll run from him. You'll get out of church. You'll quit hanging around people that know you. You'll... That was a little tough. Well, maybe somebody need to hear it. In our Western understanding, we see when Jesus said, pray in my name. In the Western understanding, well, that's simple. God, I need a lot more money. I need a bigger house. I need more health. I need better friends that will tell me what I want to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. That's not what it really means. There's nothing wrong with some of those things. I mean, here's the deal. It's all about a heart issue, right? I don't care if you have a 22-bedroom house. Who are you letting stay with you? I don't care if, you're, if you have to put all of your money in five or six different banks. Okay. How are you furthering the kingdom? That's all I'm asking. It don't even have to be any of my business. And you say, well, it's between me and God. It is. And the Bible even tells us that it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle than for a rich man to get to, get to heaven. If you don't know what the eye of the needle was, it was a nighttime gate. They would have to disrobe, if you will, all the camels because that's how they transported all the stuff. They would have to take everything off of it because it was such a tight fit that the camel would have to squish down and weasel its way through this little hole, right? Hope your hump's not too big. Get through this thing, get up on the other side, pass all the stuff through, and then re-strap it on down. It was easier for a camel to do that for the, than a rich man to get to heaven. Because what happens to most rich people? They start being self-sufficient. I don't need you. I don't need any. Listen, we all need each other. I told you about the time I got a scratch right in the middle of my back. I could not reach it either way I went. It was right in the middle. And at that time, I was just, I mean, my mind was consumed. Have you ever had an itch like that? I hope somebody didn't have that right now. But I physically had to get up and go to the corner of a wall and look like one of them bear, you know, trying to scratch my back. And I finally got a little bit of relief from it. But about that time, Sherry came in and I said, hey, do me a favor. Scratch right here in the middle of the back. And so she goes, okay. And I'm, I'm trying to get her hand to hit the right spot, right? And finally, it hits the right spot. Okay, I didn't do that. But it hit the right spot. I was like, oh, okay, finally, we got it. And as I went and sat down, the Lord said, I did that. I said, did what? He said, cause that itch. I said, what are you talking about? He said, I want you to remember something, son. You may be able to get some relief from that scratch. He said, but you'll always need people in your life because there's nothing, there's no substitute for another human scratching that itch. 
I designed you that way. So don't ever forget it. You're always going to need people in your life. And you know what? Sometimes he brings people into your life that you say, you know what, Lord? My life would be a lot better off without these people. And he says, so you think. So you think. I remember a time, some of you older gentlemen remember a time, you probably still have people in your life. Like, like when I say people in your life, young uh, friends that in school, you were the worst of enemies. As a matter of fact, you met out in the parking lot to settle some things. And after it was all said and done, all the blood was exchanged and the black eyes healed up, you shook hands and we're still friends to this day. Sometimes it takes some settling to work things out. Women, I wish I could say the same thing for y'all. Y'all are just too mean. That's why Adam said, whoa, man, don't go near to it. Whoa, man. I'm just kidding. It's not about using the wrong name, Yeshua, Yehoshua, Jesus. It's not about that. It's not about using proper pronunciation. Oh, well, the reason your prayers don't get answered is because when you called on the name of the Lord, when you said Yahweh, it's not Yahweh, it's Yahweh or Yahweh. Oh, come on, man. It's not about that. If it was, we'd all be in trouble. We'd all have to be in Hebrew class. Church would just be, okay, say after me, Yahweh. That's all we'd be doing. We'd be teaching you how to sound it out. No, it's about his name. It's about his shim, his character. The shim always points to his character, his reputation, his authority. To be in his shim is not saying a proper name. Being in the shim of God is walking according to his authority, within his will, being a reflection of him. When we walk in his will according to his instructions, we're walking in his shim. How do I pray in the name of Jesus? I pray in the name of Jesus, in his shim, knowing what his character, his reputation, his authority, all of these attributes are. Well, how do I know that? I'm glad you asked. It's all right here. All of his character, all of his reputation is spread out between Genesis and Revelation. It's all through here. But yet we don't take the time to get to know him, to get to know his shim. When two or more are living as a reflection of the God they serve in his shim, he is in the midst of them because of his character, his reputation, not because someone said his name properly. When we get together, we say, Lord, we know you're here because your Bible says that if two or more are gathered in your name, you're with us. God, we know you're here because of your shim. We are coming together to live out and be a reflection of your will. And your, your word says that when we do this, when we come together, your shim comes to us, your name. It's here in the midst of us. It's causing us to be changed from our very core. God, I haven't been doing these things right. But I so thank you for your shim that you change not. There's no shifting in your word. There's no shadow that's cast. You are who you said you are. You are the Lord of lords. You are the king of kings. You're the master of masters. There is no one higher than you. How do we worship in his name? How do we pray in his name? How do we gather in his name? 
we gather in his shim. Amen? Alex, come on. <coughs> Hallelujah. Stand with me. Hallelujah. Mm. I'll be honest and transparent. I've not always lived up to his ship. And I appreciate the fact that when God brings a message like this, he teaches me. Hey, boy. Yes, sir. And we talk about it. And there are times when I have to sit and say, God, I have so misunderstood your ship. You have breathed into me your nashim, the intelligence that I get from you. Maybe I don't use it all the time. But I know part of your shim is that you forgive us and that you love us. And because you forgive us and because you love us, you're willing to correct us to bring us back into a place say this is where you need to remain and we say yes as a way of dismissing I want us to take just a moment and think about his shim maybe where you have either not honored it or maybe you have loosely supposed it to be a title and not his character and his reputation and if that be you I don't know who in here is perfect maybe there's one or two I don't know and if that be you as we just take a moment to reflect on this I would ask that there would be repentance in your hearts. God, forgive me for not understanding your ship. Taking you at just a name that's an identifier and not descriptive in nature. Your shim woke me up this morning. Your graciousness, your goodness, your kindness. Your shim has made promises to me and yet I don't live up to being a good son or a good daughter who believes in your name. God's preparing us. Some of these messages may seem heavy, but it's a load you can bear because he said, if you want, I'll trade yokes with you. I'll give you my yoke, which is really easy, and I'll take your yoke, which is really heavy. There's an interesting factoid, if you will, that talked about draft horses, and a draft horse, I may get some of these figures wrong, can pull about 6,000 pounds. Seem right? Six, 8,000 pounds? 8,000. 
one draft horse. You ever seen them? They got these weights and they go, ah, and they just take off like a tractor pull and they're pulling these big heavy sleds, 8,000 pounds. And so when you hook two of them up, they should be able to pull 16,000 pounds. But what happens is when you hook two of these beasts together, their pulling capacity exponentially grows. So instead of thir- uh, 12,000, or excuse me, 16,000 pounds, now we're up into the 20s, like to the high 20s, low 30s. Two of them. Because both of them are willing to give extra because of the other one. I don't think it's any coincidence that God sent the disciples out in twos. One can put a thousand, but two can put 10,000. Hey boys, I want you to lean on each other here. Some of you may have to take a look around and be like, who's helping me pull the wagon? Lord, you're so good. We thank you for your shim. Lord, I pray that as we leave today, that, Lord, we would feel the nashama of your breath upon us that's teaching us, leading us, and guiding us. The breath that is in these very scriptures. Father, to the average person, they're just words on a page. But because we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us, they're life to us. The breath of life. Father, we thank you for your shim. We thank you, we thank you, we thank you. Lord, we love you. We honor you. We give you praise and glory. We thank you, Lord, that we're highly favored because of your shim. We love you, we love you. In the mighty name of Jesus. In the shim of the Savior. Thank you, Lord. Amen.